0: Good morning day of the week that Jesus rose from the dead day to have hope this psalm um, is a lot more messy though <laughs> so I'm going to start with just reading the psalm and uh and then jump into this um, I sh- actually I, just a little bit of so. My journey with the Psalms, I didn't really like the Psalms that much <laughs> for most of my, you know, there's like the highlights, Psalm 23, the, the shepherd Psalm, and, and some passages that are in songs and stuff that you recognize, the highlight reel. Um, but then there's all this dark, like really dark stuff. And, and some of it, I'm like, I can't relate to people like literally trying to kill me pursuing my life, like, freak, it, there's stuff that's like, how, what do I do with this? And I think I kind of had a, a box that I thought the way to read the Bible is it's always jumping straight to, like, what is this for me? What is this for me? What is this for But it's actually, it's a story that we surprisingly find ourselves in, but it doesn't actually start with us. It's not all about us, like, contrary to our kind of cultural conditioning that everything is all about me. Um, and so these psalms, like, we're, we're getting a glimpse. Abe talked about, like, like Le Miserables. It's like a, an artistic, musical telling of a story of something historical that happened. And these psalms are inviting us into Israel's struggle, just struggle. And this, this is one of those psalms. Um, there's, there's the highlights and there's the lowlights and this one, Has that roller coaster blend of both of them, which I can totally relate to. I don't know if you can relate to the roller coaster of emotions like within the same hour, but if you can, you're gonna like this one. So, Psalm 73 Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped for i was envious of the arrogant when i saw the prosperity of the wicked the prosperity the wicked for they have no pangs until death their bodies are fat and sleek they're not in trouble like others are they're not stricken like the rest of mankind therefore pride is their necklace violence covers them as a garment Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. You just hear the, the anger, the frustration, the pain of this. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. They find themselves saying, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. There's this pause of self-awareness. And and awareness of others. He says, if I had said, I will speak thus. I'm just going to speak this wherever and everywhere. I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly, these wicked who are just having it easy and having it all, living the good life, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they're destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. I'm with you. You, You're actually holding my hand. You're holding my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward, afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I even desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. That's goodness. That's the good life. It's good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge. Not all this wealth and all this ease of life. I've made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. So you see this, this psalm, there's this huge range of emotions, right? And um, it's, it's a guy wrestling with his emotions as he sees the wicked winning, the wicked prospering, the bad guys winning. Um, I wanted to read a, a quote from one of my, my favorite authors, N.T. Wright, um, about the Psalms in general, and I, I think shed some light on how we engage a psalm like this. Part of the strange work of the Psalms is to draw the terror and shame of all the ages together to a point where it, be, where it becomes intense and unbearable, turning itself into a great scream of pain the pain of israel these people who were told by god that they were his chosen people and then who just suffer the pain of israel the pain of adam and eve of all humanity the pain that shouts out in the most paradoxical act of worship to ask why god has abandoned it and then of course the psalms tell the story of strange vindication of dramatic reversal Of wondrous rescue, comfort, and restoration. These psalms, like like this one, they they capture the emotional craziness of of our inner life and of our life as a community. So I really love the Psalms now. (laughs) Um, if you can't tell. there's a highlights reel, there's a low lights reel, and then there's, there's a lot that they just have them both. They just mash all together in this messy, beautiful thing called picture of my life. Um, so, so maybe for you this morning, the specific issue that Asaph, or the author of this psalm, was wrestling with about the wicked prospering, maybe that's exactly where you are this morning. Maybe you've been wrestling with that and, and feeling concern deep like trouble unsettledness and if that is you listen watch watch this journey and learn from it these psalms are teaching us what to do with our emotions <laughs> they're teaching us how to how to navigate the crazy life that we, we find ourselves and also um, maybe the specific issue that that this author is is Writing about and wrestling with? Maybe you're not wrestling with that this morning. Um, personally, that's not really like keeping me up at night right now. Um, but I think this psalm still has something really powerful for us to learn. I bet you probably have something that's stirring up painful doubts about God, about God's goodness, about God's love for you, and his faithfulness and his presence. Maybe a persistent, gnawing wound that you thought would have been healed by now. Or, the, or an unfulfilled longing, this aching longing for something that's just not there. Or unmet expectations, those, the thoughts of, I thought you were going to do this, God. I didn't think this is what it was going to be like. Or an unanswered question, even a a theological question from from the book of Numbers that's like kryptonite to your faith. You're like, I don't want to think about that because when I go there, I start to doubt God and start to wonder, like, is he safe? Can I really count on this guy? Um, So I encourage you, pay attention to what that is for you this morning. What causes you to question God right now, not just hypothetically or theoretically. And if, if it's not what this guy's wrestling with, I, I was kind of like trying to like stir that up in myself and be like, yeah, I kind of feel that too and trying to think of stuff. But that's, if that's not the thing that you're wrestling with, I felt like God was telling me like, that's fine. You've got plenty of other things. Like just pay attention to what's going on already in your heart. You don't need to find more stuff. Um, so something for me right now that I could share is, I think just this, this um, haunting question that has really come more to light in the last few years is, I don't personally struggle with a lot of like, is God malicious toward me, or does he want what's good for me, or something, I think I, I more struggle with, is God even there? Is he present? And I, it's its so much that it's not even a question I'm asking. I just assume he's not. I live as though I'm alone a lot. And, um, you know, we've all got our, our. every father is imperfect. Um, and I, I don't, I grew up with my dad living in a different state. He wasn't there. And i I thought that didn't really matter. That didn't really affect me, like, Kind of scoffed at the whole dad wounds thing for a long time. Like I don't know dad wounds, but I was saying that because I, did. <laughs> I don't need a dad. Um, and that's that's a, a struggle in my relationship with God. I think I, I find myself often. Um, I was thinking about Randy mentioned I, the business I run. It's ten years in. Um, it's like a roller coaster. Of this externally, it's like a roller coaster, and internally, like this roller coaster. Um, and about three weeks ago, I just went to like a really dark place, and really, I was telling my my friends, my DNA friends, and people in my missional community just on on Tuesday or Thursday that I was just like an existential crisis of like, is this? What's the point of this? Is this really? Are we ever gonna like? make money and, like, be sustainable and, like, feel good about how this is going. Um, And and I get all extreme and forget every good thing that's happened in the last 10 years and all of God's faithfulness and how he's provided and bailed me out just time after time after time and provided for my, my coworkers and the employees and just amazing. I just, I'm not thinking about that, though. I'm just dark, like. What is this? I'm so hopeless. (laughs) Just in the depths of despair. And um, questioning, can we really win at this business? Can we scale up or is it going to kill us? Do I even know what the heck I'm doing? Do I have what it takes to lead this team, this business? Um, And and when I go there, I often feel really alone. um, as a crushing burden. It's all on my shoulders. I have to make it happen. Um, So... That's my story. I, I don't necessarily, if that doesn't resonate with you, I, I'm sure there's something. And if any of that resonates with you, I want to encourage, I think the scriptures, the spirit of God wants to encourage us. We're in good company. It's in the Bible. Like those kinds of dark thoughts are just filled the, the book of Psalms. <laughs> You're not alone. Um, Psalm seventy-three is like an emotional roller coaster. I made a slide, actually. I like charts, so um, we we start with. Can everybody see that? Can you read the words? Okay. So so typical chart. There's the journey is going left to right, and the hope slash despair meter is vertical, right? So it starts. The psalm starts with this. Um, Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Verse 1. God's good. And then, (laughs) the depths of despair, right? But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious. I see the wicked. And then he just camps there. He's just hanging out in the pit. He's just... He goes off too. It's not like he's not careful with his language. I mean, he's theologically inaccurate, it's extreme, hyperbolic, just. They're not in trouble like others are. They always have it easy. What's up with these guys? And and then me, I always have it bad. He's just freaking out. He just loses his mind, right? This is in the Bible. So depths of despair, wallowing in it. Um, And then there's this little little uptick, verse 15. He goes, the the moment of self-awareness, I see this as an increase because he starts to think about other people for a second. And he's like, wait a second, okay. I gotta be careful. If I just like vent this unwisely or just to anybody and everybody, if I vent like this to my seven-year-old son, that's destructive. Like, that can be really harmful. And he says that. Like, if I would have just spoken thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. So there's this, this little uptick of hope. But then it goes all the way to the bottom. <laughs> and he's like, but now I got that weight on me too. So I've got all these emotions. And now I'm, you know, but I need to be careful. But shoot, what do I do with them then? Because <laughs> now he's, he's got it. He's feeling it. Okay, I'm being honest with this. This is horrible. And then I'm thinking about people, and then but I thought how to understand all this. It seemed a wearisome task. It's exhausting. I'm exhausted. What do I do? And and then he turns to God. It's it's an active thing. It's faith is action. It's it's not just this passive thing. Um he, he goes into the sanctuary. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned their end. And so he goes to God, and he sees, is reminded, God is the judge. God, and I think we uh, culturally, maybe you haven't heard that as good news before. Um, We get kind of like shifty about talking about God as a judge, but it's actually really good news. Because what it means is God's going to do something about evil. These wicked who are prospering, it will not be so forever. God will settle all accounts. The people who are exploiting and taking advantage of and stealing and robbing, using all of their power and influence and authority to exalt themselves on the backs of the poor, God is going to do something about that. And he finds hope in that. And I think there's some instruction to us too from, from psalms like this that it's, it's good to to find hope in God as a judge. And then it gets even better, though. God, the Father. First, there's the, the, the fact of God setting things right pulls him out of the pit. And, and then he realizes, though, gosh, I was like a brute, I'm so foolish. Like, how, I can't believe I've been talking to you this way. And he's venting at God. And then it's like he turns around and sees God sitting right next to him, just encouraging him, like, it's okay, it's okay. He uses the language, holding my hand. <laughs> you hold my hand. Like, I'm, I'm like, gosh, I wish I could get both hands to wag my finger at, oh, like, you're holding it. That's why I can't get my other hand. To it's that dramatic of a reversal, right? He's holding his hand. Like a child, that's where I, I see God. He sees God, my Father, and and it lifts him into this just utter contrast to everything he was venting about before. The this yeah, we'll talk about that more in in a minute. But as I was thinking about this Psalm um, and praying about it, when first. Um, got assigned this one, um, two things I think God put on my heart for us as a church from this psalm. One is that these kind of laments and complaints and emotions can happen. Because they, they do. <laughs> Nobody is immune to despair. Nobody is immune, immune to the gravitational pull of Despair. And doubt. And so first I think I felt like, why this psalm, God? Like what do you have for us as a church? What do, you, what do you have for me and what do you have for us as a church? I felt like the first thing was just encouragement that it's okay. Like if you feel this, you don't have to stuff it. It's okay. And secondly though, faith, hope, and love can and must dwell with these laments. Not either/ or. not just we pretend like nothing is wrong and we just sing praise all the time, or we only think about everything that's wrong and forget about God. He's nowhere. It's, it's both, this, this crazy, paradoxical blend of both things. and um, so that first one, I want to talk about, these kind of laments can happen. Um, <clears throat> One indicator that, that this is okay, he doesn't, he just camps there, right? Remember how long that, I mean, that, that's just a chart. It's not a, a real time, but I don't know how long he was there. I know I've been there for a long, this most recent episode was about two weeks. <laughs> that's just in the depth, in the pit, man. And there's not this rush to resolve. No, it's not theologically accurate. Yes, he's using extreme language. Yes, it's an emotional mess, and there's not this rush to fix it, to resolve it right away. Um, So, on on an individual, on a personal level, do you ever feel like this? You feel these these low, these pits Um, in the psalm. The author's wrestling with the prosperity of the wicked, and that observation just unearths some deep emotions and doubts about God. He feels alone. He feels hurt. um if that's if that's you i mean does it ever bother you when a wicked person rises to power or or your jerk coworker gets the promotion over you when you've been faithful and behind the scenes and just serving faithfully and then the the loud selfish driven dude just tramples right over you to the, on his ascent to the top, or, or you work super hard, you toe the line, and you just, you just get overlooked. Selfish people get wealth and power. Nice guys finish last, you know? Um, by the way, I don't think that's a bad thing to be troubled by. That's not where I'm going with this. I'm not going to be like, shame on you for being troubled by that. I think that's a, in a sense, that's a good thing to be troubled by, right? We're made in the image of God, to rule and shepherd the earth creation into flourishing. And when that's not happening, when something's threatening that, that's a good thing to be troubled by. So don't feel guilty if you feel troubled by that. Um, but as a sinner, maybe there's something else this morning that causes you to doubt the goodness of God. Um, I think it's really easy as a Christian, someone on the other side, this is the day of the week that Jesus rose from the dead, Right? We just said that. We just sang these songs, proclaiming hope. It's really easy within that news that we do live in to suppress these thoughts and emotions or to feel guilty and ashamed when we have them. Um, I, I struggle with that. I, I just, um, or, or we suppress them to the point that we forget about them. We forget that we even have them. We read the psalm and we're just like, dude. Such a lack of faith, man. Or we do that to each other, right? Um, when, how do we respond when those around us express thoughts and feelings like this? It's, it's super uncomfortable, right? I mean, if I'm just hanging out and someone's like, the wicked are just always winning, What about the, what about me? What about the good guys? What about the poor? What the heck? It's uncomfortable, right? There's no doubt about it. But what do we do with that discomfort? Do we rush to correct one another? That's a a really hard one for me. I, I've done that. Just ask my wife. Um, I have this pattern of correcting emotions. This is something, like a new thing I'm learning about, um, when someone's like, "I feel really hurt," like it's not a good idea to be like, "You shouldn't feel hurt." <laughs> well, sorry, I just do. <laughs> you know, like it's not. That's not. You can't correct emotions. They're just there. You got to engage them. Um, that's that's a huge thing I'm I'm learning to grow in, and and maybe maybe that's you. Maybe the Spirit wants to mature you and and grow you in that this morning. Um, I think even, like, the way I lead my team at work, I struggle sometimes when people start getting really negative with just r- shutting them down, just really quick shutting them down, like, nope, got to keep a positive, we got to stay focused, I'm, or get really defensive, or like, why are you bringing up all the bad stuff? We get, look at all this good stuff, you know? And just rush to, like, resolve it because, it, because in honesty, I'm really uncomfortable with it, and I don't like where this is going, and I... I'm not really trusting God with them either. Um, I, uh, I, I was thinking, I wrote this thing on, I post on Facebook like twice a year, and like my, one of my posts of this year, I started listening to Smashing Pumpkins and Nine Inch Nails again. I, I, just, I really like them. And uh, I, this song, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, the opening lyrics, A lot of you probably know this. The world is a vampire sent to drain. Secret destroyers hold you up to the flames. And what do I get for my pain? Betrayed desires. My journey, like, with this. So pre-Jesus, like, yeah, man, freaking vampire. (laughs) New believer, how dare you? (laughs) A few years after that, down the road... Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder how I can fix people that think like he does. And more recently, whoa, this sounds like the Psalms. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that true? Like, that's, that's a contemporary version of what we just read. And even more recently, like, whoa, this kind of sounds like me sometimes. <laughs> Actually, I texted a link Kind of jokingly, you know, like the, the morbid joking. I texted a link to that song to my business partner the other day. because I'm just like struggling it out. It's like, the world's a vampire, man. You know, just send this song. And he didn't get it. He was like, and then, I, and then I'm like, oh, man, I'm supposed to be preaching this Sunday. Um, so when we do this, we can ease, when we do this like judging thing, rush to fix, rush to resolve, we can easily feel like we're doing the right thing. Um, that we're being the good guys, we're playing the role of the good guys, but those reactions may in fact just be springing out of fear, not faith, just fear. So stop and ask God if you find yourself in that to give you some insight into your own life. Um, If any of this resonates with you, if any specific stories from your own life come to mind, pay attention to that. Um, So God in his word is inviting us to be honest about our emotions and what we observe, right? To come clean, to take off the mask, and to allow one another to do the same. To allow that space for each other to to be in the pit sometimes. Um, And to invite those who don't yet know God to do the same. God is inviting the world into this kind of safety and honesty through psalms like this. The resource in this is is amazing, I'm finding. So, so, but what then? Is that the end? No, the second thing that God put on my heart um, with this psalm is that faith, hope, and love can and must dwell with these laments. Faith, hope, and love can, can, it can, and it must dwell with these laments. We can't be content to stay there. Um, Josiah and I were talking about the songs and the and sermon and stuff and and as I was telling him what I was going to be teaching on we were reflecting on like yeah sometimes like when we just get super honest like that can be unhealthy though and I was like well what is it that makes it un-? I think what it is is when we just are content to stay there we just settle in and and that's where that's where Smashing Pumpkins doesn't go <laughs> It just kind of stays there. You don't want to just, like, make that the soundtrack of your life. Um, We have to fight. We can't settle in and just make despair our home. We have to fight for faith. We have to go to God because faith results in hope and love. Faith is not passive it's a fight, and it's one we must not give up on. It's not just an emotion. It's a belief. It's trusting in something and counting on it. And there's an element of fight that comes into the story here. Faith is not passive. It's for ourselves, if we stay here, we die. There's no hope in the pit. There, it's, it's death. It is. And for one another and the rest of us it, it when we speak like that he actually likens it to betrayal it's crazy like not just like uh eh, it's kind of you I want to filter that a little bit and make that pg he's like no like if i would have just gone there i would have betrayed the generation of your children god so So to give up faith, to give in to despair, um, I was was reflecting on even the fact, like, it's not loving. Think about what the fruit of despair is. Does it lead to great service (laughs) in your job? Does it lead to, like, engagement with another human being and and self-forgetfulness to just meet the needs of of another hurting human does it does it lead to to life it doesn't the fruit of despair is death what what kind of service does a despairing business provide convicting for me (laughs) what kind despairing business owners what kind of leadership are they going to give to their team Or despairing employees who are just checked out. I'm just punching a clock, getting a wage, going home, whatever. What kind of despairing kings, despairing governments, what kind of culture does that create? It's bad. It's death. So it's not loving even for us to just camp out in despair. And that's Part of the fight, that's why I put, I think there's a little uptick of hope when he pays attention to others. There's some hope in that because he's getting outside of him his self-absorbed world where he's judging everything and settling the score and, and making declarations of finality. It's, it's not good. So, um, because courage... Joy, peace, self-control, these things the world desperately needs, these things come from faith. But how do we do this? This is so hard, right? If I just ended right there. Those, those are the two things. So, so let other, let each other be honest, but, you know, like, not too honest. <laughs> Got it? All right, let's go change the world. <laughs> Can you feel the tension? Like, that's where Asaph goes. He's like, this is exhausting. What do I do with this? Um, when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. And so here, it's, it's so easy to just rush back and do the very thing that we talked about not doing in the first part, right? To just rush back to resolve it all. Um, but I think there's, there's something better. There's a better way. And I said there were two things, but there's actually a third, and it's the best part. It's God. It's God himself. He alone can make a paradoxical, beautiful community like this grow and mature and spread life and light in our world. And this is the turn the psalmist takes. This is where the psalm turns vertical, both in looking vertical and in climbing out of the pit. Um... It's as though, like I mentioned earlier, I got this image in my mind of inventing it God and then finding God right next to him holding his hand. And it leads him into a whole different world